Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Hilarious Dan. Um, I have been making off-air jokes to Sarah before we started recording, and clearly they were good ones because she is still giggling. How are you, Sarah? I'm fine. Uh, yeah, we've got this weirdness. Yeah, we've got interesting things to talk about, but but we've started all of these last podcasts recently going, oh my God, holy shit, how are we going to fit it all in? And um, yeah. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden we've actually got, you know, like um, three different race things to talk about pretty much. Um, and, and so then there's all this um, other stuff that's been going on and it's like, you know, Sarah's Sarah and I have been like, oh wow, well we fit in like two million races last week. Are we going to be able to fill an hour? And then we're like, ha, 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 ha. can we fill an hour? <laughs> we can always fill an hour. Um, no, we're going to not be too long. I've decided. Um, but no, yes, uh, it's 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 the end of the European season, I guess. Um, we've had the GP Bruno Brighelli and the Giro d'Emilia, which I think are the final road races in European road races of, of the season. Normally they're post-Worlds, but because Worlds are weird this year, they're not they're the... Um... Yeah, well, because Olympics sort of pushed everything around a little bit, and so Worlds is a little bit later than it usually would be. And so here we are. Um, the post-Worlds races are actually pre-World races. Yeah, um, and we've got lots to, so we've got loads to talk about. I want to talk about new races. I want to talk about what we know about the um, teams so far. I want to talk about the TTT worlds and the interesting things that are happening there. And all kinds of things, really, and including those races. Uh, yeah, what we do know, what we don't know about teams next year. Um, why you should join boards. Transfers, boards yeah. And, and videos from the UCI and websites from the UCI and backdoor deal no not backdoor um um complicated deals with teams about worlds with the uci and stuff like that and where do you want to start do you want to start with the do you want to start with the future do you want to start with the past do you want to start with worlds where do you want to start daniel well i don't think we can start with the future until we properly understand the past sarah so um <laughs> you know and i know i know as a historian you feel much the same way so how about we cover the things that have already happened okay let's talk about we've had the last two races and these are really nice these are really fun um the men's classic season uh, divides into three kind of series you know three ones they have the spring classics which everyone knows are awesome and they have summer classics like the gb san sebastian and then they have the autumn classics and one of those is giro d'amelia giro d'amelia d'amelia and they started having a women's race and a couple of years ago and they also have uh, giro d'amelia on the saturday and on the sunday they have gp bruno Bigelli, which is normally a men's race only, but this race all this year also has a women's race too. Hurrah, more races, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. And we just had them. And it's in Italy. It's beautiful. The race is quite interesting, actually, the Giro d'Amelia. Because when you look at the profile, it's pretty much flat, 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 flat. flat. Massive sprint up final hill. Yep. And it's a good, so when you're watching the video, well, of course, the race is always interesting and good and, you know, hurrah, riders make it interesting, etc., etc. It does end up a little bit flesh on esque in that it all comes down, it's all come down to the final hill. 
And yeah, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, massive sprint tuppet. And this year, won by Elisa Lamborghini. Fantastic. Uh, very nice for her to have won in Italy and um, so on. And it's also, correct me if I'm wrong, um, she hasn't won as much this year as she did last year. No, I mean, she hasn't won. She She's only won. This is her first race, her first win of 2016. Mm-hmm. Apart from, didn't she, she won national champs, didn't she? So uh, She won the national ITT champs, but yeah. that doesn't count because um, even though it's Italian, even though it's, it's the Italian national world, the national world championships, even though it's Italian <laughs> national championships, it's not the same as... Um, uh, as as we, you know, it, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's just not the same. Yep, yep. Um, okay, well, good though because you know, Elisa is is one of our favourite writers. It's in some ways, Elisa has sort of fallen um, uh, on the on the you know bad luck side of Wiggle High Five's ridiculous roster this year. You know, yeah, just had so I, I, many I, so many top writers. Elisa is a really interesting rider because she doesn't win very often. You know, she's not... And this is one of the things... First of all, if you're a sprinter, you have many, 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 many more chances to win. Mm. And this is a kind of classic, classics rider. But you're right. You look at when she was... Where she's... You know, what she's what she's been racing. And, and, and it's been very interesting watching um, Elisa race in wiggle with emma johansson for example because they're very very similar riders yeah. and we're going to talk a little bit about how the teams are changing next year one of the things that's interesting for for, for wiggle high five is that they're going to be a much less big team next year they're going to have um they have fewer fewer basically riders you know yeah, um yeah. and and i think that's a good thing for for right for riders like elisa she's a, she's a fantastic teammate for her you know, for her for her team, she's a fantastic yeah. ultra domestique. But yeah, she's had. I mean, she's got an Olympic medal this year. Yeah, she's true, got. True. Um, and her... she was second in Philly Classic. Yep, yep. And I was going to say, it's not that she has no results at all. I just you know meant purely from a from a top step winning um, point of view. But you know, like you say, look at the races that she's raced, who she's raced them with, and you know, she's also quite often been at the pointy end. It's just that she's also quite often been at the pointy end working on behalf of someone and yeah you know, those sorts of things combined with you know um for example like emma johansson classic escape artist gets into a break well okay so elisa's job now is to wait and see if it gets caught you know and and so it changes your opportunities and stuff so you know none of that's meant as a as a criticism or a shot it's just one of those interesting things because you know wiggle have had so many cards to play and i think you're absolutely right it's going to be really interesting seeing how that um, deck of cards changes for them in the coming year. So yeah, I mean, I mean, for people who don't who haven't been follow who haven't been following too much, so Emma Johansson retires. So I mean, sort of, she's got that thing where she's been very upfront about wanting to have a kid, but she's got that deal with Wiggle where technically she can ride next. Basically, how I read it between the lines is that if she gets pregnant, she'll not ride. But if she doesn't get pregnant and she's you know kind of waiting to get pregnant, she might ride some races, which is a really nice thing like it's a really really good deal for her but uh, it might be slightly more frustrating for elisa but but so it also depends on it also depends on where that goes for her um in terms of um developing a behind the scenes role as well you know i mean 
Yeah. Um, it would be really cool, in my opinion, it would be really cool if, if we see through all of this Emma start to transition to some sort of a DS-type role or something like that. That would be very... Do you think Emma would be a good DS? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know, but I do know that I think it would be fucking cool if she did. So, you know... I mean, it would be great to watch. I mean, I'm all in favour of more DSs. Now, the other t- writer who said she was going to retire next year is Georgia Bronzini. Yep. Now, we're going to talk about this a bit later because um, one of the things is I'm interested in is different teams' approach to how they announce their transfers. Yep, yep. Okay. And Wiggle High Five, like Canyon Shram, have a very clear, we don't announce till after Worlds. And this is Rochelle Gilmore's, uh, with Wiggle High Five, it's Rochelle Gilmore's personal um personal you know it's it's her approach and i'm kind of interested in it because this year we've had a lot of transfer you know trans the transfer season gets earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier so we already knew during the olympics that yeah. uh, for example anna van der Brega was leaving rabo live and going to balls but going to balls dolmans so there's things that we know and things that we don't know and actually when we don't know it it's it's because that's the team's that's the team's uh, prerogative and yep. I, I get it. I mean, I get So one of the reasons why, how to put it, one of the reasons how, why some people don't, why, why you may not transfer, announce your um, transfers earlier, is you may not announce early because you might be worried that your riders will be penalised, for example. Um, there are some Italian teams, for example, that have got very bad reputation for not, um, for not riders races once yeah. they know they're transferring. Yeah. And we saw Nina Kessler was, um, uh, I think she was at Lensworld, wasn't, was supposed to be riding a challenge, but they found out that she was leaving, and so they wouldn't yeah. let her go, and they have to pay empty rather than her ride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's other, other factors too that um, sometimes the team is in, you know, contract negotiations with a potential sponsor or something like that, and they don't want... Um, you know, important team announcements about who will be on the roster to be announced until those agreements are finalised and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, but also I think I think it's about I think I get the impression that, for example, with with Wiggle, the impression is that actually we don't want to be distracting from what's happened in what's happening in the racing. You know, we want we want to, we want to focus on the racing, but also, I mean, and I don't know, I I, I don't know what I think about it. I love not knowing what I think about things <laughs> like this because it's it's, it's interesting. Because on the one hand, I always love transfer rumours, but on the other hand, if you have transfers done early on in the season, you then don't have um uh like there, there's like less interesting things to talk about. Uh-huh. Uh, well, so I like I like it kind of the context in the context of the off season, like keeping it giving us something to keep talking about right, while we right. yeah. So while the off season is it's the classic Sarah measurement method where um what what sustains the most um, intrigue and drama for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> particularly during the off season you know those yeah. those those bleak those bleak six to eight weeks where there's I know. nothing there's no racing Daniel and, and I mean of course I'm lucky because I still get cyclocross and you know I adore, I adore my cyclocross I'm never going to diss my cyclocross but you know I mean you've got to admit that it's a bit more you know it gives you something to something to you know believe in and hope and want and love and blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> hey you got to take it where you can get it you know so yeah yeah I know 
Uh, so so that was us doing a great job of we'll save this to talk about a little later in the podcast yeah i'm terrible at this it just doesn't work but yeah so that was so giro dell'amelia um who is second who's third oh um oh good god i don't know this was your race actually Milwaukee was second okay actually okay i haven't got anything open on my computer because um my computer will die and i won't be able to podcast so i'm a bit hamstrung so it was actually Mormon's second and alina amulusic third in uh shiro dell'amelia and then the next day was bruno gp bruno bigelli which um was a sprinty race yeah much flatter race Uh, um 79.8 kilometers with a there was a there was a climb part way through that the they went over six times but basically a sprinty race um finished with a sprint mariana voss led the sprint off a little over 200 meters to go and um and was beaten out by chloe hosking um by a decent length actually chloe chloe just got through and over the top pretty smoothly so chloe first mariana second and barbara groishi for uh canyon stram third uh, was that race. Chloe was obviously quite happy. She pointed out that she won her first race for Wiggle High Five back in 2015 and um, I guess bringing it full circle back to transfer rumours and whatnot um, said that she had won her last race for Wiggle High Five in 2016. Oh, we still, yes, we did talk about this this week. Chloe Hosking is going to Ale Cipollini. I mean, yeah. maybe we didn't talk about it last week, but Chloe Hosking is going to Ale Cipollini and yeah and yeah. and having a really interesting thing she's decided she doesn't want to race as much next year yep and so she's going to um going to have going to only come over change, for a couple of blocks yeah. of racing yeah and change her schedule and, and stuff like that which you know i get that's her choice and and all of that and you know we've always loved the way that chloe's not afraid to go her own path including how she actually got into the sport in the start you know and and all of that sort of thing but at the same time i have to admit there's part of me that's just like i don't fucking get it like she's had the best year of her career this year for wiggle high five i just i i wouldn't be moving away from that if i was her but you know got to make your own choices got to live your life you know yeah 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 mm. yeah yes so we're doing really badly at structuring this so we've talked about the and uh, we've talked about jared emilio we've talked about gp bruno brunette beg kelly we also had the second round of the uh uci um world uh cyclocross world cup Jingle Cross in Iowa City. It was a combination of both muddy and hot. Okay. Um, we Those are both seasons that we have in Australia, so I can relate to that. You don't have muddy. We, so, we totally do. Literally one third of our country is in the tropics. Okay, where, okay, 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 okay. You have everything in somewhere in Australia, but do you have, you don't have muddy in Sydney? Uh, not true. Not true. It's flooded here before, and there was mud when it did. So, oh, but that's not a muddy season, Daniel. That's a muddy event. No, no, we do have. <laughs> we know because this is how things last here. They're seasons. It was muddy for like nine months that year. So that's a season. <laughs> nine months. Nine months of mud. Yep. But you don't even have cyclocross, so you know. That's, no, that's, that's 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 also a complete lie. We have an Australian national cyclocross champion. Thank you very much. No, I love yes, but that's in Melbourne. Well, yes, because Melbourne reliably see Melbourne's actually the go-to mud city. Like that's actually that's what Melbourne means. It means mud. So, oh, does Melbourne mean mud? Yes, yeah. yes. Is that in is that in the um in the local Aboriginal language? Yeah. See, Melbourne's name is mud. 
Like, literally. It's, you know, Melbourne's <laughs> name is Mud. Oh, my God. Anyway, so we had Iowa City Jingle Cross. Um, it's an amazing festival of cycling. There's cyclocross. There's, like, an evening race. There's over 60 races in total. There's, like, an evening C1 or C2 race the day evening before. Then you have Jingle Cross, which is the World Cup this year, the first time it's been a World Cup. And then they have more racing on the Sunday, and it's this. And they have fireworks. They have parties. They took down all their um, icons of women in bikinis off as their main, main Twitter, Twitter icon, which made me much happier. Hurrah! Hurrah for Jingle Cross. But, I mean, it's a weird race because it was only 37 minutes long, 36 minutes yeah, long. Which, and, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, because you're the cyclocross expert, but I was under the impression that elite women's cyclocross races were supposed to go for 40 minutes plus 12 laps or something like that. Um, yes, well, something like that. Uh, well, yes, World, Champ- World Cup cyclocrosses are supposed to be between 40 and 50 minutes long. Yep. And we had issues with this last year where um, in European race, in European races, not World Cups, but the European like Super Prestige and uh, uh, Bay, Bay Post Bank Trophy races where they were kind of running, they're running shorter than they're supposed to be. Right. Well, I was going to real... say, I, I understand. I do actually understand because this race was held in Iowa that it could have felt like it was longer than 37 minutes, you know. <laughs> Uh, poor Iowa. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is, so if you don't know how a race, and it was quite funny because you start getting mansplained, oh, but Sarah, maybe it's not wrong. Um, because what <laughs> happens is they, is that, um, is that the race, cyclocross racers, they work out how many laps it's going to be based on how fast the first lap is. Oh, right, right. Yep. No, that's because, because, because it's got, because it's all about, it's all about the time that you're riding, not the distance that you're riding. And this is similar to yeah, but, a mountain but, bike but on the similar principle. Just like fucking, I mean, surely it's based on a fucking stopwatch, not on, like, is it honestly that hard to run a clock for 40 minutes? Is no, it... no, 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 no. Listen. Listen, they decide how many laps you race by they work out the speed of the first lap and they work out, right, okay, so if the first lap was four minutes long and the race has to be between 40 and 50 minutes, then the race can be 10 laps, 11 laps, or 12 laps. And, you know, you should be over 11 or 12 laps in that context, especially because the first lap is often faster than, you know, than... Subsequent than, laps, than, yeah, because, you know, people get tired laps. and there's more yeah. mud and so, stuff. Yeah. But there's no way. So there's so so it's so if you, you, you so I just can't work out when your race is supposed to be between forty and fifty minutes, forty and fifty minutes long, then the uh, even like even as like world's slowest first lap, that still doesn't mean that it should end up as thirty six minutes. Yeah, because that's that's a really extreme. I'm, I mean, my my math is terrible, so I can't make some yeah, numbers no, up. It's like, this, but this is what I don't get. Like, it's just a fucking stupid system, anyway. Like, no, no, it's, just a, it's a great system. Just, just put it's a big just... bloody clock up over the yes. over the finish line yes. that goes to forty minutes, and then at forty minutes goes and counts down three more laps or whatever and fucking yes, but, bobs but your uncle they have to work it out like this then because cyclocross courses are completely uh, they ride completely differently depending on the weather so if it's continually pouring down with rain in the morning versus if it's continually dry there'll be a wildly different time that you can do the laps in so it does make sense it makes it no, no, the, the way see, they that's do it that's exactly why that's exactly why you wouldn't 
work out a total number of laps is that you would just do the 40 minutes plus an hour. No, you've got to know, you've got to know, you've got to know when, where, when your last lap, when your last lap is going to be. It's anyway, let's not argue about this. One of us knows about cyclocross, the other one doesn't. Yeah. The thing is, is that they just, and it's not, and it's, (laughs) and it's not the system that made it go it's not the system that made it go under and made it 36 minutes long it's the decision making by the commissaires to say huh let's make it like eight seven laps when they should have said let's make it make it eight it's a human error it's not a this is a fault with the rules it's Uh a fault we're going to ignore the rules Uh you know how much i love to fight systemic injustice oh god damn it human errors have to be forgiven this is no, no, news. they do not have. No, they don't. They don't have to be forgiven. You have to say, and you have to go challenge. You have to say, hey, and the men. So people were going, oh well, if the men, if the women's race was only thirty-six minutes long, does this mean the men's race will only be fifty minutes long? But no, the men's race is to an hour and two minutes. So you can go. You're allowed to go over, and everyone understands if you go over. Now it's interesting because one of the arguments against paying women a full a full wage is the equal wage to men. The argument is, well, women don't race as long as men do. I'm sorry, my eyes are rolling so hard they fell out, so... I'm not saying I agree with this. No, no, I know you don't. I know you don't. I'm picturing some fucking internet forum dude, and I hate him, and my eyes rolled so hard they fell out, so... Yeah, so the reason is... So the reason is... um, The reasoning is that you can't... um, You can't... That, that that women shouldn't get paid as much as men because they're not allowed because they don't race as long. But they're not allowed to race as long. Do you know what I mean? Like like well, there's no right there. They're literally at the moment not even allowed to race as long as they're supposed to race. So like yeah, exactly. fuck. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. So nearly half you know, like 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 nearer half the distance of the men than the full mm. distance of the men. Anyway that was annoying. The really good thing, the other thing that was annoying is that because, is that we're in this weird situation again with Cyclocross, where in Britain, hurrah, hurrah, I can watch everything live. It's amazing. It's all streamed on the UCI channel. Isn't life great? Life is wonderful. Hurrah, hurrah, watch this this thread. And it's great for you. But for our friends in the Netherlands and the USA, it's a complete piece of shit because they have this scenario where in the USA, it's bought, the rights have been bought by um, pay-to-view channels, and you're not going to pay for a pay TV channel just to see a couple of races. You're not. So all these poor American friends saying, you know, I'm literally watching a race on my home soil or, you know, just in the next state over. And I'm having to watch it on a VPN through Britain. Yep. Yep. I know that pain. So that's I know that pain quite well. Yes. It's... And then for the poor Dutch. Hmm. It, they don't even have the excuse that it's being streamed live somewhere because it's not being streamed live. Someone's bought the rights and then isn't showing them. Oh wow! See, this is one of the this is one of the few things the Australian government did right. Um, when when we first got um, you know cable TV here, like pay TV, um, Rupert Murdoch invested heavily because you know he's fucking evil, Rupert Murdoch, um, and. So the government passed a great law, which was simply that if you purchase the rights to something and don't televise it, the rights become available to anyone else who will televise it. <laughs> I think that that's. I feel. I think that that's right, and I think it's about live. It's about live sport, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But if you, 
I mean, it's I, it's problematic because you know our friends in Belgium now have this scenario where they're now watching things on on streams because it's been bought by because cyclocross has been one of the one of the, a lot of cyclocross is being bought by um a pay you know pay pay to view television channel yep. but it's not like a it there's enough rating that you could possibly justify you know i've yeah, got eurosports well, on my package because it's got enough rating to justify yeah, exactly. me like, watching don't, it don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not you know anti sports packages or whatever but as you say there's got to be uh you know you got to do your cost benefit analysis and go okay so i'm going to pay you know an extra 10 bucks a month or whatever for this is there going to be enough content on there yeah. for me to for to feel that that's fair you know i mean it, this is basically and we're probably honestly not that far away from like a netflix for sport where someone actually aggregates some of this shit and starts going okay we're streaming we're online only but you can watch live any of these themes that we've got streaming rights for or whatever mm. you know and mm. oh dear god please make that happen soon no but you see this is what red bull do with their very specific sports yeah. is when you look at red bull tv they have um you know they have a very specific set of sports that they decide are adrenaline sports so you have mountain biking and i think i get the impression that they have cross country because they have downhill you know like down yeah. it, the, the rocks come together so they have downhill they have surfing they have weird jumping um events they have snowboarding they have some formula one type things maybe they don't have some formula one type things no, but they, they have some kind they, of things in cars have a formula one team and they also and, have drifting and other stuff too like, yeah. yeah so they have these kind of they have these very specific things that you watch and then they kind of stream pop festivals and stuff and this it, it's a really fascinating thing and i always wish that red bull would decide that um cyclocross with adrenaline enough for them because that would just be glorious yeah, well, I mean, look, this is, this is honestly, I don't think it's that far off. I mean, I've made this case several times over, but it is honestly, I reckon, a lifestyle brand, you know, like, a, um, like Coke or one of the big Hollywood movie studios or something away from actually purchasing the rights to a couple of sports like Cyclocross and, I don't <laughs> know, fucking darts or whatever, and... <laughs> across the darts daniel niche sports with with custom audiences and oh then they God. just own them yeah like for oh, sure feel Ill. Feel yeah. Ill. anyway and jingle cross was won by compton she started off like absolutely dominant from the start she was out there with um katarina nash who was with her having a fun duel and then katarina nash had a unfortunately time mechanical and mechanical out so that was disappointing so Kate Compton destroyed it is this going to be her first of many World Cup wins or is she past her prime this is the question about Katie Compton she's been so good she's won the World Cup a couple of times she's been super dominant in 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 the World Cup but she doesn't ride the other races she just comes over does some World Cups goes back she hasn't yet been Maybe she has. No, I don't think she has yet been world champion as she wants to be. But it was also particularly interesting because people were talking about, oh, Santa Kant's not doing so well. Oh, Santa Kant didn't so well do so well at Cross Vegas. Is this a problem? Is this a problem? Santa Kant, for the last couple of seasons, has been has been taken over from Compton, the dominant cyclist rider, winning you know practically everything except for world champs. And one of the reasons the world champ world champs is the seasons are really long one. It's a really hard one. Yep. You can't keep your peak form 
all the way through. And Sana has been quite angry about part-timers, you know, people who come in part-time and race cyclocross part-time and beat her. But the thing is, is Sana has, I think, badly timed her season. She wants to win absolutely everything. She's knackered by the time world champs come, come along. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm very excited. Uh, Cycling Cross hits Europe properly in this weekend. There's Heaton, which is the uh, oh, I can't remember whether it's Super Prestige or the um, or the Trophée. But anyway, it's Super It's it's Heaton this weekend, and then next weekend it's Ronsa, which is beautiful to watch. Um, I'll put up a blog on on our our, our post on our website about how to watch Cyclocross because. If you're new to it, it's very, very exciting. You just need a decent VPN um, service that you trust. Never, 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 never click the adverts that pop up in the middle of your, um, if you're on a pirate stream. Never, never, never. And, yeah, and it's exciting. And if if by chance you are new to the internet, where would a person find uh, this this blog? Prowomencycling.com There we go. There we go. Just, you know, Uh, to get that out. You don't like cyclocross, do you? It's not that I don't like it. I think that's a little unfair because that's stating a strong Dan negative. It's just like that it's cyclocross. just that I don't, you know, like it. I don't especially like, like it. it. It's not like it's not that I dislike it. I'm just ambivalent. I'm you just, just don't like it. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just anyway, eh, it's Dan doesn't like cyclocross. I'm going camping again next week. I'm preoccupied thinking about how big the fire I'm going to make is someone challenged me to make a fire so big it offended the gods and then someone else are you going to make your famous rabbit stew again so big that um it evaporated any rain that would fall before it hit and Dan, so if we so if, mm. if we hear no, about I'm New not, South Wales in a burning camp conflagration we know that it was Daniel no, um, are you going to make your famous me. rabbit stew no I'm not because I made it for them last time and to make it twice in a row would be to spoil the fuckers so no so what are you going to make? Are you going to make... Oh, are you going to make them seafood stew? Ooh. Are you going to make what? them seafood stew? Mmm, seafood stew on oh, a fire, on an open God. fire. We don't all live on a tiny island like Britain where everything is coast. This is Australia where there is no nearby seafood. Why? You live in Sydney and you have a icebox. I don't fucking camp in Sydney. You know, you pick up the seafood in the, anyway. Let's argue about this later. No. Can I just ask you, you in front of all these people? If if I moved, if I came to, if I came to Sydney, I told you if this I the came other to day. Sydney, if you move to Sydney, I'm moving to Manchester. So if I came to Sydney on holiday, would you take me to a campsite and make <laughs> me seafood stew? <laughs> would you take me camping? <laughs> <laughs> would I take you to a campsite and bury you? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> would you take me camping? Anyway. No, no, I would listener, this no. is mine and Dan's life entirely. Um, I'm going to give you some good news. All of that was way to say, Dan, I've got some good news for you. I've got some things that I know you'll love. <laughs> okay. I, have, I know that what you love most is spring classics. Look, it's not my fault those are the best races. I know you love the Spring Classics very much. So what would you say if I told you there was going to be a women's Amstel Gold next year? Fuck, really? Yes. Don't toy with me. Okay, right. I, no, no, no. See, you, no, no, no. Like, I've got to put this in context. You know, you know that there is another race 
at, at that similar time of year that toys with my heart every year because the cameras are right fucking there, Sarah, right there, and they don't turn them on. They never fucking turn the cameras on. Turn the fucking cameras on, Flesh. Turn them on. So don't you toy with me about Amstel Gold. I'm I'm struggling with the um I'm struggling with the with the AC there, but um yeah, Amstel Gold. Uh, they've been talking about it for ages, and Dutch television channel L1, which is the local Limburg channel, which is very very good for showing us women's bike racing. I should tell you, is has said that they're going to announce today mm. that there'll be a women's Amstel Gold next year. Fuck yeah! Yes. Yes, I am happy. It's probably probably pretty much, to be honest, going to be exactly the same race as the Bowles Rental Hills Classic, which also happens in the Limburg, the Valkenburg Hills, ending the Kalberg with multiple ascents of the Kalberg through the race. Oh my God, Kalberg, Valkenburg, oh, yeah. Limburg. These, yeah. Each of these words makes me happy. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. So, you know, the only the only two words that can be added to this news that would make it better <laughs> are live streaming. Okay, we don't know that yet. Yeah, we'll I know, see. I know, but I'm we'll just see. saying. I mean, and it is slightly unfortunate for the Amakameen Beera because it will clash with the Amakameen Beera. Yeah. Beera, the race that's been moving around the calendar. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate. But you know what I'm really excited about by Amstel Gold is not just the fact that we get Amstel Gold, Women's Amstel Gold. Hooray! I'm so excited. It also means that every time another major spring classics organiser puts on a women's race... Yep. It puts more pressure on the ASO to give us what we really, really, really want in spring. Roubaix. Roubaix. Oh, Roubaix. Because Amstel Gold is a very complicated course. It's like it's one of those ones where you basically give a map to a load of to give a map to a toddler and a crayon and they just scribble all over the map and then you make that into the course and it's awesome and I love it and it's beautiful. But if Amstel can do it if then we sit there and go okay so Strade let's think of the major spring classics okay Strade um, yes tick Flanders tick Hent with Elgem tick Freshwallon tick Amstel gold I mean we're basically looking for I'm not, I'm not so bothered about Milano San Remo um, as you know it's yeah well I mean ex- yeah no one needs 250 kilometers of tempo and and 30 kilometers of race but can you imagine i mean and i and I, of course i'd like liege liege, yep, liege. Yep, yep. but this is just getting closer and closer to every all the other big race organizers looking at aso and go where's the women's bay yeah oh, oh can man. you imagine i mean I it's just... not as it's not as good as if Ina Yoko Teutenberg was still winning because I have always like had a massive fantasy about watching Ina Yoko Teutenberg win Roubaix. But did you know Ina Yoko Teutenberg's niece, the daughter of her brother Lars, who was the who's an absolute genius about bike mechanic and a former racer himself? Yeah, yeah. There's Junior Teutenberg is in the juniors now. Nice. That's awesome. So yeah, so no pressure, no pressure, Junior Tittenberg. You know, we're not saying that you've got to be Ina, but you know, I'm sure you're a person in your own right. But you know, if Junior Tittenberg could ride women's Paris Roubaix, I'd be pretty happy with that too. Yeah, that would also that would also be good. And oh, holy fuck! I mean, the only thing is that if there is, you know, uh, the, this is this is the most amount of sympathy I can show the ASO is that to put a women's edition of Paris Roubaix on they have to televise it first time around. Like, that just has to be visible live. It just has to be. 
Oh, I, I, I just, don't know. I it, just no. It just has to be. No, I on this one, on this one, I am more would be more excited for the women getting to race. You know the oh those beautiful stretches oh, yeah, of cobbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I would I, I I'd be I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with just knowing it was happening. Oh no no no! See, it nearly killed me last year with Strade. Like, I mean, it's great knowing it's happening. That's fantastic. But I need to see it. I need. Oh my god! Oh those white hills! Oh. There's oh, cobbles. Man. I'm just like, oh my god, the Arenberg. Oh, just that would be insane. And then the velodrome. Oh, it has. Can to, you imagine? It has to happen. It just has to. Happen. Mariana Voss winning the inaugural women's Paris Roubaix. I mean, anyone winning it is going to be amazing. Um, you know. Voss, <sighs> anyway, Amstel Gold. Amstel Gold. Amstel Gold is good. Uh, Mariana Voss winning the inaugural women's Amstel Gold. I mean, yes, it's going to be practically the same race as the Bowles Rental Hills Classic, but I am never going to complain. Oh, no, this is terrible. We've now got to <laughs> have two races where they go over the Kalberg multiple times and ride around the Valkenberg Hills. Oh, no, my life is over. Yeah, because um, we, we all know in men's cycling they never go over the same hill twice. Jesus. <laughs> um, speaking of lots of those spring classics, the question yep. is whether it gets to be World Tour. Now, technically, according to the rules, it shouldn't get to be World Tour because races have to be what UCI 1.1 or above. But I can pretty much imagine the UCI bending the rules to let it be in the World Tour because it's, yeah, a, well, it's a major it's race. Like, it's not like the UCI have never bent the rules for other races or other regions. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you... I, I want to talk about the World Tour a little bit because I was really interested in the... There was a really interesting thing that came out about the world tour the world tour they've been doing a couple of videos over the last couple of weeks there was one with megan guarnier talking about the on the uci web uh, talking about for InCycle, talking about the um uh the 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 the, the, how the world tour unfolded there was another highlights one but this week there was one from tracy goldry who's the vice president of the uci talking about how she thinks the 2016 the first ever women's road world tour has gone and first of all, I was interested in the web in the context of the press release because the press release really brought me down. Cause it's all it's perfect, it's an unimaginable success. This is wonderful. This is the best thing ever, ever, ever. And yeah. then there was Tracy Goldry's video interview, <laughs> which was somewhat different. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And the press release, it's just like weird stuff. Like the you know the Twitter fan base grew to over nineteen thousand followers, an increase of twenty five percent since March. And the Instagram fan base has grown by nearly 100% to reach almost 30,000 subscribers. It's like, um, yeah, guess what? They're still called followers on Instagram. And also, like, fucking who cares about your followers? Like, that's... Engagement is a whole different thing and fucking blah, blah, blah. And you've picked the wrong stats and all sorts of shit in that press release. That press release is... Well, to be completely honest, fucking hilarious. Dan is by trade a social media marketing manager and, um, and amongst other things and so Dan when he talks about this stuff it is just making it up like he normally makes up most things <laughs> uh, that's not true only 72% of my stats are made up uh... <laughs> so yeah so it was a terrible press release and it's it's quite an interesting thing because the 
sorry, if you don't know the women's world, if you came to it flat not knowing women's cycling, you think, wow, this is super exciting. They've made this thing called the Women's World Tour and it's it's done all these really exciting things. And, and wow, isn't that great? That's yeah. a real step up. And, but and if you're they, they, they've pitched it in such a way, like they make it sound like they invented all these new races to, as they, as they quote unquote say, create a year long narrative. And it's like, no, you just fucking took a bunch of other races that already existed and jammed them into the world tour. Like that's fine. Yeah. But it's, it's not like you, it's not like you created anything. I mean, I'm, I'm interested because I still love the work. So basically, if you're new to women's cycling, if you're newish to women's cycling, then they used to have the Road World Cup. And the Road, Road World Cup, at its biggest, had 12 races that had been dropping down and then been growing again. And the Road World Cup was day races um, throughout the, you know, throughout the season. I think they've got to 10 again last year. And this year, they've added races, um, day races, so the day races were all classics they were all kind of classics races um in the world cup except for maybe the tour of chongming island which is just purely sprinty this year they've added the three um crit-esque short uh sub sub you know 70 80 kilometers 60 70 80 kilometer races they've added a couple of stage races but basically it's the world cup plus and they call it the world tour yep and I sort of get where she's coming from because one of the things they're saying is, oh, what we've done is we've given the season a narrative. There's now, and that was, this is obviously something that they've asked people to say because yeah. it kind of comes up a lot. We've given it a narrative from the whole season, um, basically because the World uh, the world, the, the world Cup would start in, uh, basically they've added races in July and that the World Cup, and August that the World Cup didn't have. So I get that. I do get that. I do understand that, but I kind of am raising my eyebrows what I really loved about Tracy Gordry's video interview was she was talking about, we learned a lesson. We learned that there was a much more demand. We weren't ready for it. She yeah, said, yeah. And I thought that was really, really honest about honest of her because I, I appreciated <sighs> the honesty of it, but you know, again, my, my, I guess more cynical media slash, you know, day job hat, you know, was still on or something. Cause I can't help, and look at it and go it it was either you know had the fuck edited out of it or whatever because it just felt like this big hanging um you know mid-thought kind of thing where she's like yeah we weren't prepared for the the demand we were taken by surprise it's an amazing you know and it kind of stopped there whereas to me the natural thing would be for it to go and and so you know we're really excited it's a great problem to have and so what we're doing to address it is we're working with these partners and we're adding this and we're doing this and more streaming and more blah blah or or whatever and none of that was there and it was like oh okay um so you were taken by surprise Yes, but this isn't. But I think that's to do with what Gordry can talk about, what she control, yeah, what she yeah. can't control. Oh. Because one of the things that happened was because if you remember the World Cup, the World Cup had half an hour video highlights on the UCI of every race. Yep, I get that. I and do, I do and they didn't that. have and they didn't have highlights. They started the season without a plan to have highlights for the world for the for for, for, the, for the world tour, which was a real problem. And had 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 fans rightly shouting, and we had less highlights on the world yep. of the world of the world tour races on the uci website than we had for the world cup races yes now i'm but my just carry on oh well i was just gonna say i i get 
I get your point in relation to that, but see, that's where I fall towards the if you can't explain either what you did to solve it or what you're doing to solve it, then don't say it. Like No, like, but she doesn't know. I don't think Tracy has control. I don't think Tracy Gordry has yeah, control but, but of the CI. So that she brings can't me back to say. The point, which is just that this can't... feels like an aimless video to me because it doesn't, it makes no point. It has no point. No, but obviously, I think it was made by InCycle for them. I'm not sure. It could have been made by um, it could have been made by um, Niels Gudrian, who makes the World Cup some of the World Cup highlights. I think the thing is, is they wanted to interview Tracy Gordry about the Women's World Tour, and she's very she was she's focusing on you know we've got the, it was a three year plan. This is the first year of three. We learned lots of lessons. We want to make it better. She talks about changing the team criteria, etc., 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 etc. No, no, but but. See, again, she mentions that they're going to, but then doesn't tell us what those things are. And I take but your point. I take your point. She maybe can't. she's not allowed. But then, why? Why even bring it up? Like this is this no, is my thing. What? It's an incomplete so I... story. It's it's. I I found it an incredibly frustrating video because it just had these huge gaps of 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 things that that not only weren't resolved, they weren't even addressed. But they weren't, they can't be addressed. Like, if they haven't had, if there hasn't, like, what can Tracy Gordry do? Tracy Gordry has wanted no, at to the have. Very least you uh, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. If Tracy Gordry has wanted to have multiple tiers of, of the racing of, of, of teams, team criteria, for a really, really, really long time, those plans have got to a certain point and then got stopped when they when the UCI got rid of their women's um, women's uh, coordinator and replaced it with a women's media coordinator. Now, she really wants to push that ahead. What she can't do on a UCI video is say, everyone's a bunch of bastards and I'm and I hate them all and but I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I swear I swear i'm going to get this done like she can't say no that. but but that doesn't mean that she can't say something i mean all, all say i'm something. saying all i'm saying no she didn't she raised a subject and then didn't address it i mean it, it was I, it was it was essentially the same as if as if jesus had stood on the the mount oh of olives no. on, on the mount of olives oh. and said verily oh. i say unto you there's some stuff stuff <sighs> Like, I love cycling, but I'm not. I'm not having that analogy. Um, okay, why? It offends, we Dan and I disagree. Dan, Dan and I disagree violently. Dan thinks it's a pointless I don't video. Disagree violently. You did just say that. You, you did just say violent. that. Maybe you're violent. You I don't that. disagree violently. Okay, Dan disagrees emphatically. I'm very peaceful. I'll have you know. I think it's really. I think it's really positive um, in the context. <laughs> Especially think, in the, I think it's it, so neutral. I can't tell if it's off-white, beige, cream, eggshell, or vanilla. That's how neutral it is. About, it's so let's talk fucking about, neutral. Let's talk about something else that's not controversial at all. Let's talk about <laughs> worlds. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about worlds. <laughs> <laughs> We are coming towards Worlds. The first Worlds race is on the 9th of October, the Women's Team Time Trial World Championships. And I am fascinated by this um, because Worlds and TTT is a bit of a controversial subject for men and for women for slightly for different reasons. But I think having the TTT, um, the TTT Worlds and then the ITT Worlds are a real issue they really show something about why i think 
having worlds in Qatar was a bad idea. Well, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. There's a whole bunch of reasons why having worlds in Qatar was not the best idea. Um, and look, to be to be to be as fair as possible, Brian Cookson has not shied away from the fact that that one of the primary reasons that they accepted it was because of the money. You know, he's like, look, it's a rich part of the world. They've shown an interest in the sport, and we'd be foolish not to. Um, take you know, and run. take the money and court that relationship. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, living in a world full of commercial realities, I understand that and I accept that. At the same time, there is something at the very least particularly unseemly about the UCI hosting an event that it gets paid for. And let's be clear, the host city pays the UCI. There's broadcast rights that are owned by the UCI. You know, it's not like... Um, it's not like a race owned by ASO or, or another race organizer. This is owned by UCI, so it's their money, you know, that that they get. Um, then turning around and going, all teams are required to participate. If they don't participate, they lose uh, World Tour points, and we're not contributing to the costs of their participation, which is and that was in the men's. That was for the men. That was for the men. Now. One of the things that makes this difficult for me is there's not as much reporting or clarity over how any of this is working for the women, if indeed it's working at all. But it was at that point that the AIGCP, the team's organisation... The men's team's Men's team's organisation got together and we kind of went, uh, UCI, this is fucking bullshit because it's not, like, it's not like Europe where you drive for an hour and a half and you're in another country and ready for worlds. It's, you know, Qatar, you've got to fly things down hire cars um you know take a whole team of people blah 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 it gets expensive really fucking quickly and if you want us to go you have to contribute and if we can't afford to go you have to not punish us for it and the yeah, uci went America- nah 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 we're gonna make our money and the aogcp went we've talked about it some more and we've decided that none of us are going unless you change your change your mind and yeah it, it got a bit back and forthy so it all kind of boiled down to this week the uci agreeing to make a contribution towards costs um i haven't seen men's costs men's costs haven't seen any clear statement as to how much that is but some and um a removal of the requirement that all teams participate now all of that said men's that's, that's teams purely on the men's side so what we don't know is if the women are subject to this new deal or the old deal or whatever but what we also know is that if the men's teams couldn't afford it well fucking who has a chance in the women's team of being able to afford it yeah i mean i i am a hypocrite about qatar because i should not support any racing there um the human rights abuses the uh the 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 inequality of of life for women um i'm a lesbian i couldn't go to i would be arrested you know i'm illegal in qatar and i always feel guilty about supporting the ladies of qatar but it's always you know it's the first stage race of the year they pay qatar the qatari the qatari government i don't know who pays uh, pays all the riders expenses they stay in a luxury hotel and it's a good race and, and and it's and it's streamed live and i feel guilty about it i feel hypocritical about it but that's in the context of the Qataris making it very, very easy for teams to get there and do this. And this isn't. And I was really interested in in a rings piece about the men's TTT world's issues, because in it, he includes the, the revenue of have how the revenue benefits the UCI of the Mm. different various world championships. 
and you look at it and so it has the revenue costs how much they get paid and then it has the um, overheads how much it costs them so you look at it and it's something like for road world championships 10,000 euros I don't even know what the units are but say it's let's just make up a number because I haven't got my computer open but it's like something like 10,000 uh, sorry 100,000 and the costs are something like 75,000 yeah, so it's, 25,000 it's, it's in, in the bank it's Swiss francs in thousands. Swiss francs so it's so when it's 10,000 there it's actually 10 million um, Swiss right. francs total so yeah so they so they have it so they so they looked at it and so all of the world championships are very lucrative for the UCI except for mountain bike and then other and the ones that suffer that that have less revenue coming in are the other which i'm guessing are you know goalball paracycling and trials and things like that yeah so it's only mountain biking that they make a loss on but the loss that they make on mountain bike world champs is much 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 outweighed by the massive gains they're making everywhere else Mm. so yeah it's i mean so i've heard i've told i heard that the cost of getting a team out to qatar to race the ttt is around 25 grand in euros yeah yeah and as in a ring points out it's it's a very it's a weird thing because you don't win a world champions jersey if you win the, if you win men, men and women, if if you're, t- if I'm Bowles Dolmans, if Bowles Dolmans achieve their goal and win the TTT World Champ for the first time, then any riders next year in Bowles Dolmans can have a special little badge on their on jersey, jersey for that yeah. year. Yep. For that year only. But it's not the riders who are in the team. So we know that Ellen Van Dyke is leaving Bowles Dolmans. So if Ellen's part of the winning Bowles team. She doesn't get anything next. You know, there's nothing next year that she gets because she's 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 gone to live planter. Um, whereas if Van der Breger is in Rabo Live and say Rabo Live comes second, Van der Breger gets to wear the swanky little badge all season. Yep. You know, so it's kind of a strange thing, and and it's interesting because mandating that the men's teams had to ride it. I, I, I guess. I mean, part of this also is about what it means to have a world championships in places. I mean, I'm not by any chance, by, by any stretch of imagination, a world should only be in Europe girl. I don't. I loved it when I went to Richmond. I, I'd, I'd be really happy to see world in Australia, actually. You know, tying in, but that's again. Big. You mean again? Did we have worlds? Yes. Geelong. Ha- yes. Remember. Geelong. Yes. Have yes. Have it in yeah. Australia again. However. If you're going to have worlds in Australia, if you're going to have worlds in Australia or Qatar or places like that, you've got to make it attractive. And if you have it in Australia, you'd be able to attract a couple of teams, you know, like like we saw in Richmond, teams that went UCI so that they could ride the TTT, American teams that went UCI so they could ride the TTT and have a really good time. Yep. And so teams that did pro teams that decided not to go, women's, didn't you didn't really notice them so much because there was still a really big field. Now. In Qatar, there's only seven teams who are on down, on down to go, down to race, um, TTT, the TTT this year so far, and that's because it's ferociously expensive. But it also means that we're also not going to see, for example, Linda Willemsen race the ITT. Linda Willemsen's the current world champion. She's not going to defend her jersey. The official line is she's tired after the Olympics, but really it's like, well, her team, United Healthcare, aren't going out to do the TTT. The New Zealand's road team aren't 
you know, our New Zealand's uh, Cycling Federation aren't very good, sorry, New Zealanders relative to other <laughs> national national federations. So they're not, you know, they're not they're not keen on sending a a squad. They're not they're not sending a road squad. So Linda Willemson would basically have to pay for herself, I think, I you know, to get out there and race the ITT. So we won't see the reigning world champion race the ITT. And I guess the other thing with the TTT is there's so you know some teams are so head and shoulders above e- above them above each other. So it's basically the TTT squads are Bulls Ren- Bulls Dolmans who've been crushing it this year, Canyon Shram who in their previous iterations won it has won it every other time, Rabo Live who really really want it and pretty much guaranteed podium spots, mm. and Orica AIS. Yep. And then there's a big 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 dump down to fifth. So I can see why if I was like Orica even this year, I'd look at this and I'd go, you know what? I could save some money and not race it. Yeah, yeah. let's save that money and do something else. And, you know, it, it is a difficult issue because all of that said, and, and I do totally think that, um, as you say, it's, it's part of the project of globalization to take the sport to parts of the world, you know, that, that haven't had... Um, worlds yet and and you know expose them to the sport and the sport to them and all that sort of thing and i think there are a lot of positives to it but you've got to do it in a way that actually works and makes sense like it's unreasonable to require teams to absorb the cost of you know qatar or i don't know let's say it's Buenos Aires one year or or Johannesburg or something like that you know and these aren't out of the question kind of locations you know it's these these are places that that could host world championships um but they're not easy for teams that are based out of Europe to get to and so yes there's there's got to be something there all of that said though at the same time worlds is also the only property that the UCI actually owns outright and so it's a big part of their actual income so I'm not saying it's right, but I do understand their incredible reluctance to dilute how much money they actually make out of it because a huge amount of their budget directly flows from it. Yes, but is that huge amount of their budget going to directly flow? Because, you know, as I think you said to me earlier, if the Qataris have paid for Worlds and they expect to get what Richmond got yep. and they get like seven, seven women's teams, seven and, men's teams and, racing the TTT... And absolutely, I think that's where it comes down to is actually I think you've got to make it part of, you know, the the host bid, you know, that the the host has to come up with, I don't know, some, some you know, some component of their, their bid to host the event has to help address some of these things. But you see, again, that's not, I mean, I, I'm really all for having a world in Yorkshire, you know, Yorkshire in England wanting to have, want to have world championships. I'd really like it. I'm really all for having worlds in, um, in uh, Norway next year, which are also harder to get to. But I don't think that the Norwegians and the Brits would be able to pay all those teams. I think the thing is, is I think it's right to say, if you want this, you have to pay for, you know, you have to come to, you know, you, you have to pay to get here. I think if, if, you know, once we end up with this slippery slope argument, well, hang on, why are we only paying trade teams? Why are we not, pay- you know, and these are trade teams whose riders are going to be out there anyway to race other races, you know, why are we paying them? Why are we not paying national teams? You know, I think it's a difficult, it's a, it's a really think- interesting thing. I just think that it shouldn't be 
And again, the other thing about having it in a place where it's not a cycling, doesn't come from a cycling background, is we're not going to see huge crowds out mm. in Qatar. Now, we know we're going to see huge crowds in Bergen because, you know, I mean, Copenhagen Worlds was absolutely full of Norwegians as well as, as in Swedes, as well as the Danish going, you know, going over there and people from all over Europe could kind of get there. Yeah. Bergen, although it's a little bit further away, is still going to have all the all of your Swedes, your Danes, your your, you know, your Brits, your French, your Belgians, your Dutch are going to be able to plough across to it. Richmond was fantastic because it was like it was like a chance for the USA to to show the world, look at yep. our amazing cycling culture. This is fantastic, you know. Geelong, Geelong wasn't as crowded, but it still had you know your your crazy Australia. You know, it's it's in it's in it's in Aussie cycling heartland, isn't it? It is. It you is. know, you have so part of it is what you're going to get from a world's atmosphere. You're not going to get a world's atmosphere racing. It's not going to be the same world's moment, you know, if you're a junior winning in Qatar, as it would be if you were a junior winning in Richmond or if you're a junior win. I mean, you know, imagine in, in Italy, all the times it's in Italy and the completely crazy fans or when it was in Valkenburg, you know, it's it's a kind of odd thing to do. And you could justify having it a long way away that makes it, that, that makes it expensive for a lot of teams to travel if there's something positive there for it. Mm, mm. But, you know, the Qatar course, it's likely to be boring. It's likely to be hot. There's not going to be the fan base. It's there because the Qataris really, 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 really want the Olympics. And this is like a step for them along their goal to get the Olympics. Yeah, yeah sure. But, I mean, and I go back to my point, And, sorry, I probably didn't explain it in full when we were talking before. It's not so much a case of organisers pay um, to bring teams in or whatever. What I meant was that the UCI needs to account for it in their requirements for, you know, each location. And it would, you know, it's not like it's a flat fee thing. It would be a, you know, the same as any other race. They are required to make a contribution to teams to cover some of their costs. You know, but that's but they're already paying. Did you see how much it's costing them? Like when it says the rent, you know, the, it's costing, well, it costs a fuck ton already for places to have world championships. And if I was Yorkshire and I suddenly had to pay on top of my massive, massive fees to the UCI and my fees to get the roads closed and my fees for this and my fees for that, if I then had to pay to get like, you know, all the, all the, all the trade teams over, I'd be a little bit grumpy. Well, maybe you would be, and maybe you wouldn't do for it. You but cut, you know, fuck you, because that's 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 part of the cost. Like that's the no, thing. no, 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 no. If they had the same cost, but the UCA took less of the profits, I'd be all over it. But not, but you know what would happen? They'd yeah, add it as but, an additional but, cost. But again, but I yes, I take your point. That is definitely one way to look at it. But like I said, I understand the UCI's position, which is that they need this money to operate and so they don't really want to dilute it. So I'm saying for them, the solution is add it to the total cost of the event and on charge it like anyone else would in any other business. Mm. If your overheads no. if your overheads require X, then you charge Y. That's business. No, That's how it works. I, I don't I, I, dis- I, I disagree because what I want, what I want is to go to <laughs> the best no, no, listen. What I want is for worlds to go to really amazing cycling places, which have really strong cycling cultures. I don't want it, them to go to, right, well, actually, yeah, Bahrain's I, I, got the most money next year, I, or China's got the most money I, next year. I don't think you heard the bit where I said, what's best for the UCI? I didn't say it's what I thought was best. I said, what's best for the UCI? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I get, but then, I mean, this is, but this is where it's really fascinating, isn't it? The UCI has made this decision purely based on cash. 
And as a result, they're having to deal with the teams going, you know what, we're not going. Yeah. So seven teams confirmed. But it's not like like that doesn't happen every second or third year, particularly with the men's teams. I mean, they do that with the Tour de France every time the broadcast contracts come up, you know. Yeah, but I... I, Yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, What else? Oh, do you want some more controversy? Oh, yeah, okay. But I'm warning you that you've already already broken your promise, so, you know. What's my promise? Well, we're over an hour, so... Oh shit! Okay, let's just talk fancy bears, and then we'll talk. Um, uh, <laughs> then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. What's coming up? And then we'll talk um, about teams. We'll talk about team transfers next year. Fancy bears. I have something to say about fancy bears. Oh, well, like... yeah. Let's let's talk our our crypto fascist hacking fucking nightmare made real. Okay. So if you don't know, oh my god, fancy bears is a, a allegedly allegedly a Russian collective that has hacked into WADA. Um, the World Anti-Doping Agency to, in in response to the Russians being banned from the Paralympics and some from the Olympics, and they've decided to just basically show the world the the TUEs, the um the exemptions, the medical exemptions that some athletes have for doping, and we're on about the fifth drop of fancy bears at the moment, and it's been very uh scandalous in terms of cycling because bradley wiggins's tues are down there um one the only woman professional cyclist who's in it so far is laura trott who's been exposed as exposed in inverted commas as having a tue for asthma medication and a lot of these most of these people it's asthma medications it's pretty severe asthma medications i just want to say laura trott has always we've always known laura trott has had asthma she was born with a collapsed lung she started, you know, one of the reasons she started sports was to help her asthma, to improve her asthma. Laura Trott has always had asthma. I don't think that being on the fancy bears list Yeah, is I mean, that's, that's, a, that's literally the least newsy part of the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's... I just want to say, if you have been going, oh, God, what does this mean? Then I'm saying, I, don't, I haven't looked at what exact med- medication she's on, but Laura Trott has always had asthma, born with collapsed lung, collapsed lung always had asthma. It's not... It's it's like oh phew um you know that's not a that's not a holy yeah. shit let's 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 worry about it. Obviously, I personally am a little bit worried about what might come out in Fancy Bears later because oh god I just don't want bad things to come out you know for about women's cycling but you know it is what it is well I guess we'll see but um yeah um, well I mean don't... it's it's got to be there to come out so you know like yeah I mean but it's interesting to me in so far as and I say that very cautiously because truthfully actually most of it's not interesting to me because blah but uh, it is starting a interesting conversation about whether or not TUEs should be um you know on the on the record rather than private medical documents and I don't I, I don't really have a position on that at the moment, except to say that I actually think that that's a really dangerous and slippery slope, but I certainly think it's an interesting conversation. Well, I think the thing that bothers me about it is the assumption that or that having a TUE is automatically dodgy. Now, if I was a pro, if I was a pro cyclist, I'd have a TUE for my thyroid medication because I've got an underactive thyroid, and I'd probably have a TUE for um, possibly some. I had exercise-related asthma when I was a teenager uh, with running. Um, 
you know, it's hyperventilating, uh, and it's what stopped me running. And so I'd probably have a TUI for, for that for that as well. And I think there's a really interesting thing about, and, and I got taken to task on the internet for asking if there was a list of this, and I was a bit, uh, and, the, and the person was very angry, oh, why are you trying to look into their private medical records? And I think on the one hand, yes, you know, I agree. It's, it's hard, you know, yeah. you... It, you know, it's your private medical records. And I wouldn't want, for example, the world to know that I had a TUE for, for example, I don't know, chronic period pains or something. I mean, that's a bad, ex- you know, or, yeah, yeah, or something or permanent piles or something like that. You know, I've got hemorrhoids. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want in the world to know that I had TUEs for my permanent hemorrhoids. I don't have permanent hemorrhoids. Oh, I only have so, GAN. So um, you say, show us the paperwork, Sarah. Show us the... <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I I think it's hard because you know there's a lot of so some of the stuff about Wiggins's ones is is different because you look at this and I've got to say I I am not a doctor nor do I play one on the internet. It looks a little bit ropey. The, I mean, it also looks ropey because Wiggins in his in, in his autobiography said I have never been in I've never had an injection except to have blood taken or to have vaccinations. And then you're like, hmm. You know, yeah, yes, you're being injected with some pretty serious stuff that also has performance-enhancing effects to, to the be day fair, before to be the fair, tour and the show. To be fair, though, Wiggins may genuinely have thought they were vaccinations. Oh, <laughs> no, no, but you see, this is the interesting thing. I mean, in the bad old days of of, of systemic industrialised yeah. doping, you did have people taking all sorts of things they yeah. didn't know that they were doing. You know, you're, yeah. oh, yeah, we're just giving, this is vitamin B, you know? Like, yeah. that's part of one of the reasons why when people say, oh, yes, you know, legalised doping, it's like, holy shit, no, because it's not necessarily informed consent. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, it is, and, and that's that's the... I mean, all of that leads me back to that point where I I understand the the interest in TUEs in particular, and I understand the argument in favour of of putting that on the record or certainly having some sort of oversight of it. But the thing is, that's what waiters for is that kind of oversight. And you know, I mean, I I I don't really see any way around it that actually improves the overall situation without making. Um, people's lives in utter misery when it doesn't need to be, you know, like I don't think digging through someone's permanent hemorrhoids history is beneficial to the sport. I just don't. I mean, th- there's always, we, we're in a situation, a post Armstrong situation where a lot of people who are very, 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 very in love with cycling and felt person. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you know, it's why I don't watch men's cycling so much. I felt betrayed. I, you know, I foolishly loved and believed in Alberto Contador of all people. Holy shit! And you know, and so I can. And there are some very, very angry and you know people who who have angry, angry social media that's just about blasting riders. They hate all riders. All riders are dirty. All riders are doping. Everything is easy example. You know, like. Marianne being sick was an example that she maybe she's probably on a secret doping ban you know that we don't know about and it's like what the fuck you know like, like these people some some of these people are completely nutso and so i wouldn't want to have my medical in, in, in information out there for some of those nutso people but equally i think if you know there are some questions about how tues are abused and yeah. how you know and how yeah absolutely. I, 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 I don't... absolutely but that again that's what the that's what the anti-doping organizations are, are literally for and you know, I guess this is my point: is that 
no matter no matter what you do with the system like you know say theoretically we were to make TUEs publicly available all that does is build a slightly more complex slightly more intrusive slightly more big brotherish system that will still be imperfect and that will still have yeah. people going we want more we want more we want more you know like like it it won't actually solve anything because at the end of the day you either a have to trust the system or b can't and you know i'm not i'm not for a second suggesting that we shouldn't continue to work to improve the system what i'm saying is that i don't believe this one thing would actually materially be an improvement you know waiter and and the other anti-doping authorities do have access to this information they are legitimately um, entitled to it and they are able to review it um, according to their priorities and regulations and and whatever i mean that is the system that we have and you know it, it works ish i guess mm-hmm. but i mean what else are we going to do that doesn't cost like 74 million times more and is actually not necessarily significantly more foolproof like yeah so you know ban all sport i guess is the other option <laughs> Well, on that note, on that happy note, no, we're going to be cheery next week. Next week, we'll tell you. Next week, we'll be our rope. We'll do our world's preview. We'll tell you what we know about the teams and what we don't know about the teams. We'll preview worlds in Qatar. We'll see if anyone else is actually going to worlds in Qatar. We'll talk more cyclocross. Uh, this weekend is also the BMX uh, World Cup live. You can watch that on BMX Live TV. And it's also the last round of the Enduro World Series mountain bike. So there's tons of lovely, lovely things to see. Uh, keep up with all the stuff on our website prowomenscycling.com where you can see the video highlights and stuff of what we've talked about this week and tell us we're wrong on twitter dan is at dan w official i am at underscore pigeons underscore and yeah thank you thank, thank you for you. listening do swing by <laughs> patreon.com slash cycling and um give sarah all your money every month thank you we'll talk to you again soon <laughs>